0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 13, 10 through 16, called We Have an Altar. The
1: altar is there. And the writer says, we have an altar. And some scholars in verse 10 think the we is the Jewish people. Others would argue that the we is the Christian church. Or here it would be, since this is the book of Hebrews, it was written to Christian Jews, if you will. Hebrew people who had confessed uh, faith in Christ. And so probably the latter is correct. We have an altar is the church. What is our altar? Well, that altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. So here's the deal. we, If the altar is the altar for believers, what is our altar? And I would argue that our altar is spiritual. It's not a physical thing. Our altar, if you read commentaries on this, commentators will tell you that our altar is the cross of Christ or Christ himself or or maybe we would say the atonement of Christ. That's my altar, and it's done. It's over. I'm no longer making any sacrifices there, although with this caveat, there are sacrifices we make in the New Covenant, but they're in response to Jesus' one and final sacrifice. They have nothing to do with my sin anymore. They have to do with my response to grace. So the altar is spiritual. Now, you guys know that... If you've been around the church long enough, you know that the church, certain churches have done altar calls. Have you heard of that? And when we do an altar call, what are we saying? Well, we're saying that people hear a gospel message and they come forward to perhaps an altar. What would that altar be for us? Well, it ain't there. But in a lot of evangelical churches, there were communion tables altars, if you will, or perhaps different sorts of altars in different places. And people would come forward as a sign of, I'm responding to God. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but walking down an aisle doesn't get you saved. Standing in front of a piece of furniture doesn't get you saved. What saves you? Jesus saves. Amen. Amen. Now you can come to Jesus, walking down onto the grass of a stadium. You can come to Jesus walking to the front of a church. You can come to Jesus and you could stand in a pew. You you could come to Jesus with your eyes closed, seated. You could come to Jesus driving down the 91, listening to a radio broadcast. But if you pray, just keep your eyes open, right? So we have an altar For us, brethren, it's a spiritual altar. And those who still are serving in that tabernacle, that old system, that that temple, if you will, or tabernacle, they can't eat there. Look at verse 9 and tie verse 9 with verse 10. Don't be carried away by varied and strange teachings. It's good for the heart to be strengthened by what? By grace. We got to connect that view with our altar. You see, anyone outside of the Christian faith cannot feed upon grace. These are metaphors, if you will. They're, they're spiritual pictures. So we've got to kind of move it out of the realm of wooden literal interpretation to symbolism here. The altar, in this case for us, is spiritual or symbolic. The bread that we eat, the way that we receive grace, we eat it, if you will, But we eat it in a spiritual sense. We receive grace from our God. When Jesus was talking in John chapter 6, he gave a difficult teaching. If you want to hold your place in Hebrews 13, turn over to John chapter 6. So Jesus um, gives this controversial teaching and it stirred up a lot of people and I'll just point out a few of the verses to you. So look at... Verse 35 of John 6. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John 6.35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. John 6.35. He who believes in me will never thirst. Now, two things that we need to see here. Jesus calling himself the bread of life is using a metaphor. He is not a loaf of bread. Could we all agree? Yes. So when he says, I'm the bread of life, he's talking about spiritual sustenance or grace for your heart, if you will. I am the bread of life, notice, that he who comes to me, so the coming is equated with hunger, but being filled, actually. When you come, you won't be hungry anymore, so you'd be filled. You come and you're filled. You believe and you're filled quenched if you will and so Jesus if you skip down there's a lot here but I can't teach the passage so in verse 48 he says I am the bread of life in verse 60 many of his disciples when they heard this said and he he talks in the in the verses right before that about eating his flesh and drinking his blood it's confused a lot of people and many of his disciples when they heard this they said this is a difficult statement who can listen to it but Jesus conscious that his disciples grumbled 61 said to them does this cause you to stumble what then if you see the son of man ascending to where he was before what if I went back to heaven right now it is the spirit key word here who gives life the flesh profits nothing I am not talking about literal food. I am not talking about cannibalism. I am using metaphors. The flesh profits nothing. It's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I've spoken to you, now kind of summing up the whole difficult section. The words that I've spoken to you, they are what? Spirit. And our life. Now, notice what he says. But are, there are some of you who do not believe. That's the issue. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. Back to Hebrews 13. Here's the bottom line. A Christian, you, if you're a believer tonight, have constant access to an altar of grace. The atonement of Christ never stops Giving. It, he gives, he'll, he will support you and strengthen you all the way home. I will never leave you or forsake you. We read that earlier in chapter thirteen. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The atonement is done, paid in full. It is finished. Amen. So, what do we? Why are we so uptight? Why are we so freaked out? Well, because I was at the mall, and this dude said, if I ate a double-double from In-N-Out, I'm going to hell. (gasps) Who would ever say that? In-N-Out is a sanctified organization, (laughs) don't you think? Or this dude came to me and said, he's from this church, unless I was baptized in their baptismal by their pastor, according to their formula, I'm not saved. Really? That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that Jesus saves. And we have an altar, in quotes. And it's good that we get strengthened by grace. But if you're part of that old system, let's say you're still going to the temple. You're trying to go back to the old system of animals when the fulfillment has come. You can't go back to the shadow when the fulfillment has come. Let's just put it this way. Christians have a superior altar. I've used the the analogy before. I'll use it again. I have a lot of pictures of my family in my office. And I treasure those pictures. And when I was on a missions trip in India, I brought a talking picture. I had my wife and my three boys when they were younger. And it was one of those pictures that recorded their voices. And they each said, hi, daddy. Hi, daddy. And the little one was like, couldn't even interpret it, and my friend said, "Put that away." On the first day of the trip, and I said, "Why?" He said, "You're going to drive yourself crazy." Now, when I was on the other side of the world, that picture was so valuable to me, and I, you know, hi, Daddy. Hi, Daddy. Shut it. But once I got back, when I walked in the house, I wasn't hugging the picture; I was hugging the reality. You see, the picture has value, but it's it's. The reality is superior. That's what the shadows in the Old Testament were. They were pictures. Now that the reality has come, you don't go back to the pictures. Jesus is the fulfillment of the altar. We have a superior altar, and if you try to go back, and this was the temptation for those groups, you're not going to find anything at that old altar of sacrifice because it's been fulfilled. We feed now on the life of Jesus. You can write down 2 Corinthians 4, 10, and 11. Just remember, we're talking about spiritual realities here, not literal. There are some who do believe that the altar in verse 10 could connect to the communion table for the church. If it does connect to the communion table of the church, it's only by symbolism, right? Because when we come, and tonight... I felt led that we would take communion together at the end of this message. And when we take the bread and we drink the cup, we're doing that to honor Christ and to remind ourselves of the atonement. But we're not recreating the atonement here tonight through these symbols. We're just simply remembering and honoring them. So I think that's what's going on in what could be a very difficult verse. Look at verse 11. For the bodies of those animals connected now to their altar that is in the tabernacle, whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest. Now that gives you a hint that we're moving towards the day of atonement here, that special holiday in the fall for the Jewish people. Uh, Brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp. Now, our writer has done this before, but he's now taking us to Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. And, He is basically saying this, when the high priest went into the holy place and then the holy of holies, he had to do two sacrifices. He had to sacrifice a bull for him and his family and sprinkle it on the uh, mercy seat. And then he had to sacrifice a goat or a lamb for the nation.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
2: We are excited to announce we have the opportunity to broadcast on a new radio station. It's a
1: daily program. We can be on every day like we are here, and we can be ministering to a whole new group of people.
2: An opportunity that will help this ministry reach more people like you in Oahu, Hawaii.
1: The door is open. The gospel is free but the old saying is someone's got to put in the plumbing.
2: Our mission with Pastor Michael's teachings is to equip listeners with God's Word in a way that helps them address today's issues, trends, and culture. You
1: need a spiritual workout plan. What is that spiritual workout plan? It's to heal. It's to get better. It's to pursue some things. And one of the things that you pursue is peace.
2: But before we say yes to this opportunity, we could use your help. Would you become a Walk in Truth partner today? Your financial commitment of at least $20 a month would help us reach this goal.
1: That's about the price to go out and get a sandwich, a bag of chips, and a drink.
2: You'll be part of the team bringing God's truth to more people. If this ministry has been a blessing to you and
1: you want to help us expand, we could use your help.
2: Please begin your partnership today by calling 844-48-TRUTH. Thank you so much to all of our partners, all of our listening family, all of our new listeners. We love you. Begin your partnership today by calling 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Or visit walkintruth.com.
0: We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth.
1: Moving towards the Day of Atonement here, that special holiday in the fall for the Jewish people. uh, Brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp. Now, our writer has done this before, but he's now taking us to Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And he is basically saying this. When the high priest went into the holy place and then the Holy of Holies, he had to do two sacrifices. He had to sacrifice a bull for him and his family and sprinkle it on the uh, mercy seat. And then he had to sacrifice a goat or a lamb for the nation. In both those sacrifices, God... Instructed in the Bible, and you can uh, write down Leviticus sixteen twenty-seven. Let me read it for you. But the bull of the sin offering and the goat of the sin offering, whose blood was brought to make atonement in the holy place, shall be taken outside the camp, and they shall burn their hides, their flesh, and their refuse in the fire. Leviticus sixteen twenty-seven. Now, on the Day of Atonement and for sin offerings, normally the priest and his family could offer an animal, like we would say like a barbecue, and then they could partake of parts of animals for their own meal. So if you were a priest, you had the right to sacrifice an animal for somebody, and then you could eat of that animal to take care of you and your family. But when it was the sin offering on the Day of Atonement or other sin offerings, you had to burn the whole animal. And in this case, you had to burn everything outside the camp. Nothing was to be partaken of. Nothing was to be eaten. And so the bodies of those animals on, I think specifically talking about the Day of Atonement here, whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest, notice as an offering for sin, are burned outside the camp. I think simply he's just reiterating that's their altar, if you will. The red heifer, as a side note, was killed and burned outside the camp. Numbers 19, if you want to look that up, verses 1 through 9. Now notice this connecting thought. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. John 19, 20 says that Jesus suffered near the city. He suffered outside the walls of Jerusalem. Jesus is the ultimate day of atonement, if you will, right? By that one sacrifice, he perfected us for all time. And when Jesus died on the cross and was dying on the cross, it was in an area called Golgotha. You guys remember this from the Gospel of John. And it was known as the Place of the Skull. And when you go to Israel today, there's a little bit of debate on locations, but there was, there's the Garden Tomb area, and about 100 feet away is uh, heading east, if I recall correctly, is Golgotha. And it's most likely that Jesus is dying on a cross as people are walking right by their heads, probably at about his foot level. We don't know that he died on a hill like a lot of pictures say that he did. He, he probably was along the road because the Romans would crucify people as a warning uh, to warn people of any kind of uprising against Rome. It was like a threat. And so as people walked by, he was outside those city gates proper, dying outside the camp as the ultimate atonement for our sin. Jesus suffered outside the gate. He was rejected by his own people. He died outside the walls of Jerusalem, says one writer, abused and despised by his nation. Uh, Another writer says, Jesus planted his cross in the world so all the world would have access He remains permanently available, close quote, outside the gate, proper, if you will. And then the the encouragement, hence, let us go out to him, Uh, let let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. The NIV has, let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. The New English Bible says, bearing the stigma that he bore. Here's the imagery, simply put if you're going to trust in Jesus Christ and the new covenant, you're going to have to leave the camp of Judaism to the original audience of the recipients of Hebrews. you're going The camp in, in Hebrew thought was the community. They would set up camp. You would have tribes who camped around the tabernacle. When you left the camp, you were cut off from the community. And the writer of Hebrews says, look, if you are going to go to the true Jesus, you're going to have to leave the camp. In this case, the camp of the old covenant. Now, some of you, when you came to Christ, you had to leave some things that were extremely familiar and extremely important to your inner circle. Amen? And some of you, it was very easy for you because you grew up in a Christian home or it was the natural progression for you. But others of you, you had to literally leave the camp. Maybe you grew up in an atheistic household. Maybe it was another religion, very much, you know, opposite Christianity. And when you leave the camp, if you will, when you go out to Jesus, you bear his reproach. The writer is basically saying this. This is what Moses did. Uh, He considered the reproach of Jesus as greater riches, riches than the treasures of Egypt The reproach is the same word in Greek, disgrace, as in our verse right here. Moses made a decision uh, to bear the reproach of Christ and go out to his people, rather than the treasures of Egypt, for Moses was looking to the reward. We are called to willfully embrace disgrace. (laughs) And all God's people said, yeah, that sounds wonderful. But if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to go outside the camp, if you're going to go outside the walls, if you're going to follow the true Christ, the world may not applaud you. Oh, a vanilla Christian, they'll they'll have no problem with you. But you start preaching the cross of Christ, you start living for the cross of Christ. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. Sounds to me like there's a little bit of cost there, a little reproach. And when Jesus bore the cross, he despised the shame. I'm not saying we need to like it. I'm not saying we should sing songs about disgrace. It's such a wonderful place to experience disgrace or whatever we'd say. No, 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 no. Jesus despised the shame, but he endured the cross for the what? The joy set before him. Hebrews 12, verse
0: two. You've been listening to, we have an altar part two on walk in truth. That's pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 13 verses 10 through 16. If you missed any part of today's program, walk in truth is on Apple podcast, iHeartRadio, radio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And would you please tell a friend about Walk in Truth? We hope today's teaching will be a blessing and uplifting to someone you care about. Please encourage a friend or family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station. If you're listening through your podcast app, please click the share button. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with the final word.
1: Hey, Walk in Truth family, this is Pastor Michael. You know, we've seen the Lord do a lot of awesome things with Walk in Truth and we are so grateful to be on the stations we're on and so grateful to have the podcast listeners we have not only here in the United States but really all over the world and the Lord's doing tremendous things. We brought to you an opportunity to begin broadcasting on a station in Oahu, Hawaii. And some of you have responded and that's been wonderful to see, but frankly not enough not enough of you and uh you know, whenever we put something forward as an opportunity, we say it's an open door. The gospel's free, as somebody has put it before, but someone's got to put in the plumbing. And radio time is not cheap, but it's worth it because it impacts so many lives. So what we've seen so far is several people step up and begin giving to Walk in Truth, and we, are, we just want to say thank you to those of you who have done that we got a very significant one-time gift but that it's not going to get us all the way there so right now we're just saying we have a couple more days to see what happens we've been laying this in prayer at the lord's feet the whole time and i would ask you to pray because we know prayer is the key and you know when we say lord your will be done if if it's not god's will then it's not going to happen but Right now, the finances are not there to go on to this Hawaii station. So if it's on your heart to make up that gap, it's it's really going to be a significant amount of money. And it's something like, you know, it's going to put us at about $3,000 a month, somewhere in there to, to really do this. So we're not there yet. We'll see what the Lord does in terms of the doors that he opens and whoever else— has it on their heart to give. But I'm just letting you know that that's where we're at. And if you are someone who would, who's would who been thinking about it and you would like to see us go on on Hawaii, then reach out to us. That's the only way we're going to know that you're out there and that you want to do it. And if now is not the right time, then we'll just trust the Lord that we're where we're sp- supposed to be as it stands today. So that's all I can say. I often say um, this is not the most comfortable topic for me as a pastor, frankly, we at our home fellowship of living truth. We really try to downplay the money issue. We don't beat on that drum. We frankly uh, rarely even mention it unless it's a point of teaching in scripture that we're covering. So I come to you just, you know, saying what needs to be said because we need to make the need known and the need has been made known and we're going to trust the Lord for the result. So that's where we're at. Hey, if you want to give, if you want to reach out to us, if you have questions, you can call 844-48-TRUTH, 844-48-TRUTH, or you can find out how to give at walkintruth.com. Just, uh, you'll be able to see the, the Hawaii opportunity right there on the homepage That's walkintruth.com. This is Pastor Michael, and we'll see you next time. God bless you.
0: And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 10 through 16, called We Have an Altar. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living True Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.